0: All right, Chris, uh, I've got a chart pulled up in front of me, the most hated office jargon. The number one is touch base. People don't like that, don't want to touch base. Number two, no brainer. Number three, I want to say someone made this up because I've never heard of this in my life and I can't come up with anybody that has. Punch a puppy. What? Punch a puppy? Right between no brainer and game changer. Of course, this was a survey of uh, UK employees. They don't have PETA over there, I guess.
1: Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and digital patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on the digital tools, solutions, strategies, and processes that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information with you and have fun along the way. So thank you for joining us.
0: And welcome to another episode of Touchpoint. This is episode number 136.
2: I'm Reed Smith. That is Chris Boyer. Bonjour, Reed. (laughs) I'm saying that because this week I'm going to be in France. As you're
0: listening to this, we're not actually recording it over the pond, but maybe we should have. I don't know. Maybe we can record something just to say we did uh, an international recording.
2: That'll cost a pretty penny, but maybe it's worth it. Yeah, Touchpoint is recorded on international soil.
0: Well, before we get into today's episode, quick plug for the website touchpoint.health. Be sure to go out there and uh, show a little love to some of our other compadres, shows, show hosts. We got a lot of great stuff out there. Also, rate, review, subscribe wherever you happen to listen over on Apple Podcasts or otherwise still the number one way that you can help us out. We appreciate everything that you're doing. Visiting the sponsors is another uh, great opportunity. So before we get started, let's take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back.
2: and build a reputation that performs for you. So Reed, today we're going to be talking about marketing departments and how they're changing. And I think it's timely because in my organization, we're currently reevaluating the entire structure and approach that, that our marketing department will be. And so it's really timely that this episode came up.
0: Yeah, you know it's interesting, and even here at my uh, my new shop here at Gerard, uh, we do a lot of assessment based work on you know hospital marketing department structures, and so it's interesting to think through this and how things have have evolved and are evolving. And we see this a lot as the result of a merger acquisition. You look up and you've got two of everybody. I mean, not really, but kind of. You know, what should people be doing? What roles should we have? And so this is this is an interesting and and
2: timely uh, discussion. Today's episode is really going to be focusing on those changes that have occurred because of the disruption of technology. As we are want to do, we did some research and we found some interesting articles that I think kind of highlight some of these changes and at least give us an ability to kind of ground ourselves on some of the trends that we're seeing and, and allow us to kind of explore further. The first article I found was called the changing structure of marketing departments in the age of disruption. And that can be found over on simple.io. Do you know what simple.io is? No, what is it? They are a marketing resource management tool. They do a lot of things around planning, workflows, optimizing productivity within marketing departments. They have a whole software platform around that because what they do, they know a lot about some of the changes that they're seeing in marketing departments that they service. This article that we'll link to in the show notes starts off with a very ominous statement, it says the traditional marketing department structure is under siege from the impact of new technologies. Is Steven Seagal involved? <laughs> Sorry, that was a that was an under siege reference that I'm
0: not sure everybody got, but that's okay. I don't, you know, under siege, I, that may be a bit much, but, but I get it. I mean, you're writing thought leadership content, I do it too, but it is to some degree, right? And, and again, mainly because of what you just mentioned, which is the technology implications, uh, much of what we're seeing is, uh, initially, that step was was to kind of try to connect IT and S and marketing to some degree, right? Because you had this group that they were in charge of technology, and these people over here were in charge of marketing. The two don't
2: really need to converse unless somebody's you know Outlook's not working. That's absolutely true. It's really busting down the silos. Digital is driven that way. Digital social expertise, data analysis. There's a lot of things that are leading to this. And one thing that they indicated is uh, in this article is that marketing technology have been appointed to bridge that gap between marketing and IT, that is sort of like the the fail-safe way that they've been doing it so far. Like hiring that person, that's kind of the conduit between them. And I'm very familiar with that role because I often serve that role in my health system. And I'm sure you served that role before too, right? I help
0: with it now. You know, I, I think when I was doing this, it was very clear cut and I cut a lot of ribbons at a lot of events I was around a lot of people that had shovels with like dirt in them, you know, that were painted gold and hard helmets and stuff like that. But the amount of technology that was involved was really brochureware, website kind of stuff. Now, I mean, obviously, I'm helping people kind of try to bridge these gaps. It's an interesting space because and I think a lot of it speaks to the legacy of these roles. The people in the roles themselves, they've been doing this for a while. I mean, that's great. Like these are good jobs to have in good organizations that are mission driven, et cetera. But you know, now all of a sudden we've had this seismic shift over the last four or five years, maybe something like that, realistically, not that something didn't happen before then, that these people that did certain things a certain way for a really long time are now having to like kind of about face and figure out how to, you know, play nice with others and stuff.
2: And many times that dr- driving for change, that, that transforming of the marketing department can come from different places. A lot of times people appoint this chief digital officer. That's sort of like the new way of saying a, a chief marketing officer. And they're driving that innovation, their change. But in others, the customer experience is driving some of those changes. And then in other cases, you know, the chief marketing officer kind of does all of that. And I think that kind of plays out in what, what I'm seeing in some of the health systems that I'm at. You're either appointing a chief marketing officer, or you have a chief digital officer, or maybe you have both in the same title, or you have patient experience or customer experience driving this transformation.
0: And I think that's maybe a smart way to look at it, right, is what is the consumer need? Like, what are they asking for? You know, it's fine to run off and, like, develop and create and, and all this kind of stuff. And And we do have a little bit of a FOMO or fear of missing out when you go to the conference and you see what would be considered a cutting edge or leading authority uh, in the space, big, big hospital brand, talk about all these things that they're doing. But be careful that you're not outpacing what you know, the consumers
2: want and, and need within your particular market. I think that's a point very well stated, right? I think the expectation of some consumers of a health system is a lot different than they have of Amazon, so to speak. I say that with a little bit of an asterisk saying their expectations of the experience is the same. It's kind of the seamless, but in terms of what you need to do is a little bit different. The three trends that are kind of redefining these marketing departments, the first one is focused on becoming more consumer centric versus product centric. And there's a need to start breaking down those functional silos to present a single view of the company to the customer. It's this consumerism that's kind of pervasively rolling into every industry. Every marketing department is focusing on us to be a little bit more different in the way we structure ourselves.
0: Absolutely. The second I think that you know, the, the trend they kind of call out in this article is, and we've kind of said this in a number of ways, I guess, but it used to be that public relations versus brand versus product marketing, demand generation, not that we have all these roles in hospitals. So if you think about hospitals, maybe it's community relations versus public relations versus marketing versus ITNS versus quality, et cetera, could kind of do their own thing. But now, as we've talked about in previous episodes, we're seeing that all kind of blur together a little bit or a lot of bit, maybe things that are happening that maybe marketing is a control of, or communications is a control of, like online reviews, directly relates to what the quality department is tracking and looking at from an experience or patient experience kind of standpoint, or the technology that marketing needs or wants or desires is maybe being contracted over on the ITNS side. And so now we're reliant on what's coming back across, right? So it's not quite as clean as like, you do your thing over there, I'm going to do my thing over here.
2: Even the public relations work really can impact driving people into marketing journeys. The third trend really aligns to how these things are being pieced together because the marketing tools and technologies are very data intensive and everything that we're doing is, is enabled by the, these digital tools and this technology that really imposes a new way for marketing and the marketing department and the chief marketing officer to analyze how they're doing their work and if they have the right skill sets within their departments. So what does this all mean, right?
0: I mean, they kind of boil some of this down throughout the article. And so they're talking about this in kind of a results fashion, I guess. But really what they're talking about is some of the things that we've keyed on, which is there's less focus on individualized services. You know, it's kind of decentralized, you know, effort, if you will. And it's more about what is the consumer
2: need and how do we build
0: around that potential journey within our organization?
2: Like coalescing all the things that we're doing to touch that customer segment into one activity, be it whatever it is, foundation, fundraising, or marketing, or PR, or operations and experience. The other is, is that marketing is becoming more of an intelligence agent for the organization. We've been kind of trumpeting that for a while, talking about how we, we should really consider marketing as a department that understands that customer better. We're brokering more in intelligence and understanding of our audiences and our customers and less of that production staff
0: you Know finally, they talked a lot about the rise of digital. Obviously, they speak of in here that 40% of budgets are not being spent on digital marketing. I, you know, obviously, this is not healthcare specific, but what
2: uh, does that sound right to you? 40% it reminds me of the recent study that Geometric recently did where they were trying to track how many people are doing digital. They found out that was a hard way to answer that because almost everyone's doing digital, so I would say that. of budget spent on digital marketing. Maybe if you're talking about discrete things, but is the website counted in that? Is website counted as digital marketing? Uh, Is social media as part of that? I think it's a hard number to pick. And that's kind of why I asked that question because much like the
0: staff role, you know, the roles of the actual people, I don't know that we're really looking at budget the same way. Like the marketing department has a budget. And this is what's kind of weird to me is the marketing department has a budget ITNS has a budget, the quality department has a budget, operations, whatever. You know, you kind of have all these, and they're very defined, but that's not the way we're functioning as an organization. Because when you say 40% of budgets, well, who what budgets? Exactly. Like I don't know how you get to that number, I guess, is my question, right? Because when you say like, oh, no, 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 absolutely the website counts. Okay, but the hosting resides over an ITNS. They pay for that. Pretty much everything IT&S does is going to be digital, right? So again, it's like, how are we defining some of this stuff? I can understand why it's hard to try to get your arms around, well, how much of my budget should I spend on digital? And it's like, well, I don't
2: know, because I can't compare apples to apples. And here's the other thing that they pointed out. And by the way, they point out a lot of things in this article. So we, we recommend you go do a deep dive into it. They talk about the whole concept of going from decentralization to centralization and now going to a hub-and-spoke model. And um, this is really a significant shift that we're seeing in marketing departments. You know, It used to be decentralized. Every hospital had their own marketing people. Every service line had their own marketing comms people You know, kind of embedded. Then we centralized it. And now what we're moving to is this kind of hub-and-spoke model where product marketing managers connect with business units to work on centralized marketing efforts but also have everything in sort of this core service that supports everybody so like you might have a, a group of people that focus on a service line or focus on a audience type or what have you and then you have a core set of marketing services i think it's somewhat hard to label
0: things anymore and this was getting so hard about like Should I have this thing, or should I do it this way? And it's like I don't know. We got to have more conversations. It's not just a "here's what your org charts look like." You know, it's just not that clean anymore. But I have seen more, uh, I guess, centralized efforts around business units. Like you, you've seen this around, especially profitable service lines. You'll see kind of the focus on. Uh, ortho or heart and vascular or oncology or whatever it is, right? And you've got kind of a concerted effort or a team built
2: around that idea. After the break, why don't we come back? We'll talk about this concept of a chief digital officer and then get into agile marketing a little bit in the second half of the show.
1: You care about simplifying the way your healthcare organization does business. And so do we. At Scorpion, Our mission is to empower our clients to focus on things that really matter by giving them a simple, powerful, effective suite of marketing solutions for their healthcare digital presence. To learn more, visit us online at scorpion.co.
0: Now, let's jump into something a little bit different here. And so we've talked a little bit about kind of the evolution of the department itself. I think what's interesting is this idea. We mentioned it before the break, but the chief digital officer. And so there's a Wired article out there, which I think is super relevant. It says it's 2014, the year of the chief digital officer. (laughs) <laughs> and, and so, you know, we kind of say this a little tongue in cheek, but, you know, it was talking about, you know, a Gartner prediction that, that some 25% of businesses will have a chief digital officer by 2015. So it'd be nice to go back and kind of get that metric and see if that actually happened or not. But I guess my question is, is should we have a chief digital officer? Talking so about healthcare specifically, not just kind of marketing in general. We know people that
2: are the chief consumer officer. Is that the better route? Possibly. I mean, I think it's back to that age-old question of, since we all use digital, we should be using digital. Really, is digital a title anymore? Right, right. This by a person who is, has digital in my title?
0: Well, but I, but I think that's different. I think there's a reason to have people on, quote-unquote, the team that have a you know, deep understanding or subject matter expertise. That's different than like these leadership or C-suite titles. Like, I just feel like we're doing marketing or we're doing whatever it is. And so in my mind, if I see chief digital officer, that's
2: not a marketing title. Someone who introduced themselves at a party to me and say, I'm a chief digital officer. I almost think that that would be more of IT related. Yeah. Or
0: even they have stuff like clinical innovation is part of their role. You know, they're overseeing clinical innovation and like telehealth is underneath there. And then also patient experience maybe or whatever. Like they're pulling some of these key themes from a lot of different
2: areas. Maybe this is more of the evolution in my mind of the CIO role. It's interesting that you say that because we've been talking about marketing and now we got CIO. In this article, we're referencing, they actually refer to a st- survey from Accenture that reports that chief marketing officers don't think much of their technology counterparts. What? 38% of CMOs say that IT deliberately keeps them out of the loop. <laughs> and 35% indicate that marketing concerns aren't a high enough priority within the IT department. I would say 35% is low. (laughs) As far as perception,
0: perception. I'm not saying it it is or isn't. I'm just saying I'm surprised more
2: people, I think people are being nice. Here's the flip side of it. In the same survey, they say the disdain is mutual. (laughs) 31% of CIOs say their marketing peers are ill-informed about technology. And 36% of CIOs say, It's because marketing routinely bypasses them for solutions, going to outside vendors, Agencies, digital partners without checking first. Whoa, if they have those whoa, whoa, whoa. There's a place for outside
0: <laughs> vendors and agencies. No, I think that's probably <laughs> low as well. There's got to be a higher disdain for, for marketing from CIOs than 31%. And that one probably is real because they really are ill-informed about technology in the most part. you know. So, And they do, right? It, it's not just marketing that bypasses them. It's Everybody. Because there's a roadblock, whether and there's roadblocks in marketing, don't get me wrong, and with the on the technology side of the house, like historically speaking. And so people go off the reservation, whether that's a market or hospital level, you know, leadership team or whatever it is, right? Because they just can't get stuff fast enough from corporate.
2: And so you see that all the time. I think that they're setting up the premise that a chief digital officer is secure. They start to describe in this Wired article, this uh, it's almost like a mythical unicorn-like state of a chief digital officer that aren't concerned with equipment or tactics or how data is moved, but rather where the data is going and how it is used. And unlike chief marketing officers, who still find themselves primarily immersed in brand and advertising, these chief digital officers can see every digital touchpoint throughout the organization – Uh, Do you know people like that?
0: Nope, I sure don't. (laughs) No, I I do very much agree that CMOs still find themselves primarily immersed in branded advertising. I'm not sure that's entirely their fault. Uh, I think that's the expectation of the rest of the C-suite or the organization or the board or whoever of what that role is. Because these people didn't come into the, you know, the chief marketing officer did not used to be in charge of like customer service at Samsung. They were probably a VP of marketing at another hospital. So, you know, you kind of just ladder up this chain and you're just, you're doing stuff. It's almost like the roles almost evolve more based on the size of the organization
2: than it is the complexity of the role. That's partly because this aspirational role of a chief digital officer um, you know they they go on to describe it in these weird terms like free thinker, willing to experiment, embracing oh, digital based experimentation, etc. I think all that stuff is absolutely true. But when you're in a large organization, sometimes it's very very hard to assume a role like that and actually have that that efficacy across a large enterprise organization. It's the
0: same thing in there about being a ninja or a dream weaver or anything. <laughs> No I so yeah, so but, but I think part of that is is it's hard to assume that role and not have to do internal education
2: first around what is the role that you're assuming does and getting a good understanding of your of your organization, I mean, part of this is if you're going to be an effective chief digital officer, you need to understand like kind of where your capabilities are and be able to figure out how you can streamline what you have and outsource what you need and do it in a way that actually can scale quickly. And that really sets up the premise here, Reed, for the the final piece that we'll talk about before we go to the interview, which is this concept of agile marketing. Now, agile marketing is something that a lot of people are talking about, and I think it's still very commonly misunderstood. The rise of agile marketing is something that if you do it right, it actually works well. Agile marketing is based on Obviously, agile project management, which we all, I think, in a very high level understand what that is, right? I think so.
0: You're quick, you're moving, you're agile. Yeah, you're quick moving, short sprints, you have scrums. I think I'm going to start calling, I'm going to like come up with my own thing It's going to be like rugby
2: marketing or something. So like scrums make <laughs> more sense, but yeah. The same concept as applies for agile, right? Where they have teams, smaller teams that work in short cycles, to complete really heavily defined projects. And measure the impact. And and really, they're focused on very specific, discrete things. And and the intention here is you have a hypothesis, you go out into the marketplace, uh, you, you analyze the marketplace, understand your consumer, and then you say, okay, we believe that this is the effective solution, usually a digital solution, a digital marketing solution. And then you put that hypothesis in action, you go through these short sprints, set it up live, and very quickly understand how it's working, optimizing it. And once it's stable, you kind of move it to this always on approach and you expand to another component based on what you understand from the audience. As I'm describing that, does that kind of click with what your thinking is around what this might be?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's interesting, though, because I'm not sure a lot of marketing teams are built that way. First off, there's just not enough of them. I would say as a director of marketing of a small hospital, I was an agile marketing department because it was just me. So I was a small team and I did work in short cycles because I could never finish anything because I had to go to the next thing. Technically, I was doing agile marketing. Back in 2003.
2: Based on that concept, right, is that you're fast, you're quick, you have to do everything, and you kind of do everything. Well, now they're formalizing this, and it's happening in financial institutions. It's happening in technology companies. Large technology companies are doing it. And it's happening in hospitals and health systems where you're building these things called tribes or Pods or groups or teams or whatever it is, you have this group of people that are really focusing on solving consumer problems that are well above and beyond what just marketing is. It's more past, it's much more past patient acquisition. It's now towards the overall experience. It makes sense,
0: especially. I think there's a huge opportunity for this when, when you're looking at, especially two organizations that merge, where all of a sudden you have an influx of FTEs that. Neither side had before, right? You've got an opportunity if you can get everybody rowing in the same direction, going back to the business terminology. If you could figure out a way that everybody could get on the same page with this idea that, you know, here's the end goal, you could set up a really interesting agile marketing, you know, department where people it was less about titles and more about, you know, what you're focused on and what you're getting done.
2: Yeah, and focus on the results. Focus on how many puppies you punch in that particular sprint, for example. <laughs> we should look that up. <laughs> I don't even know the context for this. So that is one trend that we're seeing and how the marketing department is changing. Now, Reid, you recently interviewed someone from eVariant. They were talking about the evolving role of, of marketing as well. I had a great chance to, to visit with Rachel Neely from over at eVariant, and
0: this is based off of a webinar that they did, and, and we'll link to that. Uh, If you want to go check it out. And it was a conversation that started on LinkedIn where Mitch Holdwick, one of our uh, big supporters, uh, had referenced this webinar and we kind of got back and forth. But they really focused on and it was the title of the webinar, the optimal modern marketing team structure. And so I thought, you know what, let's 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 dig in. Let's talk about that a little bit. Obviously, you know, this is gonna be somewhat technology focused, but I think Rachel has some really great points and it's a great discussion that we had. So hang in, tune in, and learn a little bit. Here we go.
1: Are you struggling with online reputation management? Binary Health Analytics provides healthcare systems, hospitals and physician practices a complete view into managing patient feedback from online ratings and reviews and especially surveys. It continuously mines feedback for sediment uncovering timely and actionable insights. Its management tools help turn these insights into an opportunity to increase patient engagement, manage reputation, and improve patient experience. To learn more about binary health analytics, visit Binary Fountain Online at binaryfountain.com. Dot com. That is binaryfountain.com.
0: All right, welcome back to the Ask the Expert portion of the podcast. Today, I am fortunate to be joined by Rachel Neely, Senior Director of customer success over at eVariant. Thanks for uh, spending a few minutes with us this afternoon.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Really appreciate you guys um, bringing me in today. It's a, a privilege and an honor. And, and, you know, we really respect the podcast that you got going. So we appreciate it.
0: Well, privilege and honor may be a little strong, but <laughs> nonetheless, it's, it's, <laughs> nice, it's nice to, nice to have you. And know, I appreciate the kind words. i to set the stage here a little bit. And actually, before I do, uh, maybe for those that are not familiar with uh, you and your background and, and even a variant for that matter, why don't you give a quick, you know, 30 second overview of kind of. Uh, your background, and then obviously uh, eVarian is a company. Yeah,
3: absolutely. So obviously, Rachel Neely. Um, I sit in kind of a really interesting space within healthcare, and I've been here for, I think, just shy of of 10 years in this specific space, but I oversee a a customer success team. So many of you that are in this space probably know what that means, but for those that don't, we're at the intersection, right? We're at the really fun, pivotal part of where digital meets technology meets data and so the team that I am leading is really focused on helping healthcare organizations and hospitals across the United States figure out how to plug those three components in to raise up the strategy. Where my sweet spot, sweet spot sits, because I come from a traditional marketing background, is exactly that: is how do we bring tech data and digital strategies together to help marketing departments in the hospital organization and help that bottom line. But I would say even more importantly, how do we do it to improve the consumer experience? So- Obviously, I am at Evariant, As you mentioned, it's a a cool niche to be in. Our platform is obviously a CRM engagement center, PRM technology. So we work with a host of clients.
0: Well, as a little bit of context, I want to, I want to, you know, I guess, tell the listener kind of how we got here. Um, I was on LinkedIn one day, noticed a post uh, or a share, I guess, on LinkedIn uh, from our mutual friend, Mitch Holdwick, who, uh, was talking or kind of, uh, I guess, shared a post of, of you guys of eVariants about a uh, webinar that y'all had done this summer uh, called um, Cross Departmental Collaboration: The Optimal Modern Marketing Team Structure. And so he talked, to, you know, he was like, "Hey, this looks really cool." And 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 uh, I think you had commented, not commented <laughs> there anyway. He had tagged you, and and it just looked it looked really interesting because it just face value. Um, you know, I'm looking at that the optimal modern marketing team structure. Right. Here in my day job, uh, we do a lot of department, you know, marketing assessments and some of those types of things. And so we look at departmental structure a lot. And then also just uh, you know, for those that have listened to the podcast for a while, I've heard Chris and I talk about the idea that we can't just like market over in this silo (laughs) that we've got to get, you know, cross-departmental, which is obviously in the title here, but with quality IT&S, you know, the operational side, the financial side of the house, etc. Is, is that what we're talking about? Is that is that really where Yeah, we're, 100%. Okay. And
3: shout out to Mitch. He's awesome. Um, we've been privileged here to be able to work with him and myself specifically. There's a lot of cool stuff going on in the healthcare organization that he's a part of in Southeast Michigan. So, yeah, I mean, you nailed it. That's exactly what it is. It's that we got to stop just being marketers at the end of the day not going to get us where we need to go if we stay in our box. So how do we start to nicely play outside the lines, really?
0: So what, is, what does that mean? You know, because I mean, I think everybody has a pretty good, I even wrote a blog post here recently about, you know, real, realistically as a marketer, we we historically have just been advertisers, right? right? Just the, the promotional... P of the four Ps is, is, is really the only place we participated in the last, well, ever,
3: <laughs> I guess. Yeah.
0: And I'm not saying that's right, wrong, or indifferent. It's just, you know, my point in writing that post was it's like no one's asking anybody in the marketing department where they should build the next, next freestanding ER or, you know, uh, anything around uh, pricing uh, around products or services or anything like that, right? Exactly. like we're, we're not in those conversations you're getting brought in at the tail end of those conversations of we've decided to now do this. So we're going to need like some ads. Yeah.
3: And stuff. Go spend your money. Here's what we need. And right. that's it. Right. And obviously it right. pains my heart because I do come from agency world, but prior to moving into healthcare and lived it, we're trying to shift marketing from being a really, truly reactive cost center. You nailed it. It's where the end of the funnel, right? Is stuff gets tossed over the fence, help us get out to market, get the messaging, use your brand. Move from reactionary into actually being that proactive 360-degree circle. There's a ton of value when marketing partners together um, and uses the right IT, uses the right tech, uses the right data that we can actually feed back into the system. And in some cases, marketing may be able to actually say, hey, we think you have an opportunity for a new freestanding ED right here. Exactly what you said. So, you know, for us here at Evariant, the biggest thing is that we (laughs) preach to our clients, you got to admit that the structure that you might have today is problematic first and foremost. And that's a hard conversation to have because, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, it's not that your marketing department is broken, it's that are we allowing ourselves to be too siloed? Are we allowing ourselves to be the order takers instead of sometimes taking the reins, shifting a few key roles, shifting a few key conversations, and a few key handshakes to actually now be leading part of those reins?
0: And I want to be careful not to downplay the importance of what we've done historically. Yeah, Right. I, so, you know, you're in a small town, I can remember being in a small hospital in central Texas, you know, community relations, you know, cutting the ribbon uh, in deal. front of some new business in town or the, you know, the breakfast or the lunch or what, you know, those types of things were, were important. And, and I think they still are obviously. Agreed. But are, are people willing to have
3: this conversation?
0: I mean, you mentioned it's hard, right? It's it's kind of something hard to hear, but are
3: people starting to have it? I think so. And I think it it rests on the laurels is that we still need traditional marketing. Those ribbon cutting ceremonies are still critically important. It's looking, I think, beyond that. And how do you start to divvy up your own departments to sit kind of as a holistic unit where you've got your traditional and much needed brand uh, wing of that department? We're not going to function anywhere if we don't have a brand, right? We need people to know who the hospital is. We need the brand to be respected. Community events, particularly, and we're still working in smaller um, hospital settings. And I would say even, even as we see m mergers and acquisitions, scale, um, those are important as we start to see new hospitals move into new territories. The third piece is really what we focus on um, at, here at Variant, and it's building a new wing within your marketing department. It's not even bringing new people in most of the time. It's finding people interested in your existing marketing department with the skill sets to start turning their eye towards what we call precision marketing tactics. And that's really where the technical intersection happens. It's starting to be more precise with your targeted marketing efforts, but more important, looking at the data, calling down the insights, and then building strategy and feeding that strategy back into the healthcare system instead of being the one that's always reactionary and receiving it. I think it's really the beautiful intersection in the modern marketing department of bringing those key critical existing components together with that net new, um, net new pillar, if you will. But how
0: realistic is that? Right. Cause I, you know, here's, here's what we, what I see a lot of, or, you know, and I'm sure you guys do too, but people go to a conference, they hear people talk (laughs) and then they go, Oh my goodness, we have to do that. Yep. Like we we need (laughs) to do that thing. And I'm always like, well, I mean, maybe hang on. Like, why? Why? Because they because they got good results. Yeah, and,
3: exactly. And,
0: and I think that's a trap we fall into sometimes. And I think, you know, honestly, and, and this isn't a knock on anybody, but, you know, CRM, as it kind of came about over the last really just few years, uh, a lot of people um, viewed this as a silver bullet, right? Like, oh, sweet. Totally, yeah. We can just plug this thing in. And everybody's going to be happy. You know, the CFO or the financial side of the house is going to be happy because now just like ROI is just going like fall <laughs> it's out coming of coming from the sky now. or whatever. Yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, um, I, I don't need to know about attribution, and I don't need to know about like how we're setting up these campaigns and that kind of thing. But, but realistically, like what what are you guys seeing uh, just as an industry as far as the maturing of some of this technology? And it, it may not the maturing of the technology mm-hmm. as much as just the maturing of the way people think
3: about I it. I think it's the latter. I definitely think it's the latter. Obviously, ma- technology is going to continue to mature, right? We've got a lot of players in the space and everybody's improving month over month, year over year. So that's happening organically. But it's the latter. It's the mindset and the maturity on how to use the technology. It is not a magic wand. And I so appreciate you saying that ROI is not going to fall from the sky, folks. That would be beautiful. None of us would have day jobs either, though. Life would be good and we wouldn't be operating at such a low margin in hospitals if it was that easy, right? Um, For us, it's really instead of focusing our laurels on just those traditional marketing tactics, it's starting to do data-driven marketing. And that sounds so oversimplified, but what's the point? Why do we need data-driven marketing? It's more than proving ROI for us, it's being able to help our clients and healthcare systems really be able to use data to start to deliver more rich, personalized interactions, both to consumers they're trying to acquire, but I would say almost even more importantly, to patients that they already have. Um, it's integrating things now. So instead of looking at it as you know, multi-channel marketing campaigns, we use the term Omni now. So it's that every component of your campaign down to that community ribbon-cutting ceremony is going to be linked in a very thoughtful way to the next engagement. That ribbon cutting ceremony is gonna have invitations that go out via direct mail as an example. And those people that we know show up are now going to get entered into a really rich journey because we were able to reconcile that they showed up. So now we're going to actually invite them to start meeting our physicians at the new facility. It's the interconnectivity, I think, that's going to change the game. We could talk about ROI all day, but for us, it's really about bridging the gap in, in just putting marketing materials out for the sake of putting it in and actually meeting people where they're at in their healthcare journey. It's mm. modernizing it, right? It's what we're doing in almost every other industry outside of healthcare. I mean, I'm a female. I like to shop. Let's be honest. It's all of those rich interconnection- interconnectivities that I get from loyalty programs where I shop the most. It doesn't exist in healthcare and it doesn't exist well. And I would charge that it's not even because we don't have technology. It's that we're not building departments, particularly within marketing, to be able to think through those journeys and actually use the technology.
0: So, so let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, we've talked about, you know, the maturing of at least, you know, we're having conversations, we're realizing uh, the investment that's needed, not only from a dollar's standpoint, but um, um, an intellectual standpoint on, on how to use these tools and what to do with them. And, um, you know, how to weave some of these things together. But so what What does that modern marketing department look like just kind of in broad strokes?
3: Yeah, for us, it really starts to come down into bridging inner departments within. So again, it's keeping the traditional brand. That brand is at the crux and the centerpiece. So that that doesn't change, I think, how you interact with others on the team and outside the team changes. Community and event relations stays the same. For us, it's really bringing in two new sub-departments in, within marketing. And we talked about the word precision. You could call it that. You could call it digital if you want. I'm hesitant to just hang a hat on the word digital because I think we're losing a lot of of, (laughs) luster if we just hang everything on digital. Precision is really where it's at. It's people that are highly focused on working on that interconnectivity between advertising, between marketing materials, and actually plotting out the course of where our people come in the healthcare system and what happens to them when they leave. It's people that can be out there actually executing um, we often focus a lot on Harvard Business Review, so they have this think-do-feel model, and it's, it's cool. I think it works, right? So our feelers, are traditional brand, it's the world I used to live in, and, and it's a good world. It's the brand, it's the creativity, it's the flashy ads that come out the two new ones that are popping up in marketing is the think and the and and the do so the do is that precision marketing team that i'm talking about they're eyes and ears on the data the technology and the getting the pieces out to market but more importantly analyzing what's happening in the market The leads that are interacting with your ad, where are they coming from, from a geographical standpoint? What calls to action are they raising their hand on? Where do they end up in your marketing funnel? And and how long does it take them to get to the point where we need to clinically convert them? Those are people that are constantly doing right out in the field. The second new component, and it's the hardest one we find to fill in marketing, is the thinkers. It's the analytics um, and I'd ask the question back to you out of folks oh, you yeah. work with, you know, how often do you get to walk into a marketing department and they say, oh, yeah, we've got an analytics person here in our team.
0: Yeah, he, he, yeah, <laughs> he, yeah, we have a new data scientist we just yeah. hired. Like, I've no, never heard that No, once. it doesn't happen. Not, not a single
3: time.
0: <laughs> um, I mean, th- there are people, there's the director of CRM or there's some sort of insights. Uh, I'm certain to the insights and analytics uh, a little bit is a title. Right. Or consumerism and insights or, uh, you know, I, I'm starting to see some of these things pop up. I think we're starting to see a little bit of, um, you know, churn in the sense that, and churn not in a bad way, but we're having people either move on uh, in senior roles or retire or whatever it may be. And so it's giving opportunities for organizations to think, OK, we, we've got a second here. Like, what, what should we do? Right. Right. right, like, like, who, what, what do we need? Uh, I, I haven't seen the director of precision marketing yet.
3: Yeah, you know, other titles that we see instead of precision marketing, demand generation is a good one, right? We're, yeah, I think that probably relates a little bit more to our marketing world, um, and and what happens in demand generation. Folks that start to build out this department of this team, and again, all in marketing—that's the important part because it really does need to be the front door to the healthcare system. For us, it's digital media. Um, it's demand generation activities. It's managing that budget. It's campaign and nurturing programs. Again, just continuing that demand. Marketing automation management. Again, that's a technology, but technology doesn't run itself if you haven't through thought through what that what that nurture program or that patient pathway yeah. looks like. And I think, you know, bottom line in demand generation, it's about your, your pipeline contribution targets. Like going out into the system and actually being the critical link with operations to do the, the, the landscape work to say, all right, we want to market, we want to go, and, and we know you need to promote your new freestanding ED, but we need to understand what are we promoting? What's the capacity that you even have to take on? How many leads should we be bringing in your door? So we can be thoughtful about how we spend our marketing dollars to go so that we don't bring too few leads to the door or that we don't, in the worst case scenario, best problem to have, I should say, is that we don't bring too many leads. And now we've created too much consumer demand that we're going to send down the street. We can use that term demand gen, but I I don't feel like today, and it's changing, right? Healthcare is is maturing. I don't want to say we don't see it, but I will tell you 90% of the time that demand generation pillar within a marketing team doesn't exist when we walk in the door today.
0: So if we kind of bring this home, you know, people listening, like what what can they start looking at doing, thinking about... you know, what are some of those conversations they should start having or evaluations or you know, assessments they should start doing internally?
3: I think it's two things. I think it's the operational preparedness that I spoke about. It's starting to not only building out some focus on an on your marketing team, but it's being willing to go out into the internal healthcare system and be a mover and a shaker. Um, It's starting to demand a little bit more in return, honestly. Um, If we've got budgets to spend and we know marketing budgets are being cut, we need to be more thoughtful and in return ask more back from the folks asking of us. So I think it's going in and asking critical questions before we do the green light to say we're ready to market. We're going to put some front facing things out to bring people in. I think that's the very, very first thing that needs to happen. We need to change the way in which we launch and approach launching our campaigns. And it needs to be more fueled by actual data points instead of just the spray and pray approach that we've been in such a reactionary state for years. Within there lies the data, right? And so we talked about that think component. And and most of the time, we're not going to see a lot of rich analytics people in the modern marketing department. So if you don't have them, it's partnering with somewhere in the healthcare system that can offer it. We need to find a way with all the healthcare marketing that's going out from your department to actually be able to report on it. And I'm not just talking about the, the leading indicators. Those are easy to get, whether you're running your own media or you're working with an agency. It's the clicks, it's the leads, the impressions. We need that rich, robust, who are they? We need to know names. We need to know contact information. And, and we need to know how they're actually converting in the healthcare system because what it's going to do is create a really respectful relationship with that operations team we're starting to demand a little bit more from before we go to market because now we can bring more back to the table to say look at what we brought you asked for 30 new patients in a month-long period we brought you 31 and here's actually how quickly they converted and here's how much bottom line revenue you brought to the door did it work did it not work so it's really putting yeah. that focus on if we're going to go for this new demand generation kind of mindset, we got to be able to back it with data. I know it's, it's an overused term, but there's just cannot be enough of it.
0: <laughs> you know, this is a conversation I could continue to have for quite some time. But uh, if, if, if other people are listening to this and, and have other questions, want to connect with you, you know, want to pick your brain, whatever it may be, what's the best way for people
3: to track you down? Yeah, I would say two quickest paths, um, LinkedIn, absolutely. So Rachel Neely, you can quickly find me and just keep in mind, I'm at a variant. So that's going to be your, your fastest path or through email. Um, and we can make sure that you guys get a hold of that email as well.
0: Nice. And yeah, of course, we'll link to all that in the show notes. Uh, Rachel Neely, thanks for joining us again. Reach out to her, connect with her, and I uh, appreciate you coming on. And look forward to yeah, having you back. Yeah,
3: appreciate it. Thanks, guys. It's always fun.
0: Alright, it was a great interview. Uh, it was really awesome to visit with, uh, with Rachel and Go check out the webinar. I believe it's on demand on their website. We'll kind of link to it, and some great thoughts and and ideas there. So this has been it's been a really cool episode. As again, in my day job, as we've kind of worked through marketing department structures and and suggestions and ideas and audits around that, this has been helpful for me just to kind of talk through and think through.
2: Absolutely. And if there's a marketing structure that you're currently uh, either transforming your organization to or something else that you're doing we'd love to hear about it just reach out to us on twitter or linkedin or anywhere you can you know find us online and let us know because we'd love to talk a little bit more and kind of share your news with our audiences absolutely
0: well very cool uh we are going to be doing some things so to speak Not so to speak, and we are going to be doing some things, but here very soon. First, a quick plug for the weekly email, the TPS report. If you have not signed up for that, do so over at touchpoint.health. It's not just about this show. It's about all the shows on the network, and we aggregate some news from around the industry. Also have links to anything new from the network uh, from the previous week, so go check that out. And The reason I mention that is because it also references and has links to what we're about to talk about, which is where you might could
2: uh, find us outside of this uh, this podcast. Like, for example, one of the conferences that's coming up, um, actually, it is currently happening right now, right, in Nashville. Wrapping up today,
0: actually, uh, the Shishmeds 2019 uh, conference. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it was a great time. <laughs> so here in Nashville, uh, a lot of people come in, slash have come to town another great uh, great year for shish Med and uh, it'll be fun to do that again next year followed up here in just a few days just a couple of weeks uh chris and i'll be doing a webinar with our friends over at medicom health uh, again the show notes will have a link to this tony our, our good friend over there asked us if we'd be interested in doing a a webinar for their a webex for their clients we are going to do that, and it's it's something a little bit different. It's not a super tactical thing in the sense that like we're not doing it on repetition management or something like that. We're doing this on what we've learned from doing this show for two and a half years at this point. So we've talked about a lot of things. What is this, episode 136? That's 136 times we've sat down in front of a, a microphone to talk about a particular topic, and so these will be some of the things that we've learned from doing that.
2: That should be a lot of fun, Read to go over, you know, all the things that we've seen. And and I just love uh, doing this every week because it gets me on top of things. About a month after that, October 22nd and October 23rd, in Rochester... Minnesota, up here in my neck of the woods, you and I are going to be attending the 2019 Mayo Clinic Social Media Network's Annual Conference. This is something we've been doing for nine years in a row now, Reed. Well, actually 10, but the first year really doesn't count. We've been doing this for quite a while, let's just put it that way. And it's a really, really great Show, a really great show every year. Yes,
0: absolutely. This is the 31st time we've attended this conference. So We've been
2: doing this before (laughs) social media was around. Yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) this used to solely be about sandwich boards and um, flyers on the sidewalk. (laughs) It it is social media specific. It's a great conference to really kind of dig in, create some expertise around a particular subject matter. So uh, be sure to check that out. And then finally, just a few short weeks later, first part of November specifically November 4th through the 6th down in sunny Orlando, Florida, or we hope it's going to be is
2: this year's edition of the Healthcare Internet Conference. We're going to be there in full force and I'm going to be speaking at one of the sessions. I'm telling you, the Healthcare Internet Conference is probably one of the one of the conferences we always like to attend. You can learn a lot and a lot of our friends People that have been on the show, our sponsors are there. We really encourage you to make your way down to the sunny state of Florida and attend this event. If you're listening to this show, you would love the content that's going to be presented at this conference.
0: They've been a great partner of the show. We're we're actually going to be doing the show there as well. And so they were nice Mm -hmm. enough to invite us down to do that and partner with us on that. And uh, I'll tease out that there will be some uh, additional content in the form of uh, podcasting that may, uh, may just come from uh, some of the uh, thought leadership out of that conference. So anyway, more, more on that to come as well. Well, a busy fall and a lot of fun things going on. Let's jump to a couple of
2: recommendations and we'll, uh, we'll call it a week. What do you have this week? Reid, I'm going to recommend something I, I, I just recently watched on Netflix that I think everyone who listens in should be watching. It's called The Great Hack. Have you heard about this? No. It's a documentary about the Cambridge Analytica scandal. And it really, really goes deep into how it originated, the threads it has into international political footprint. They got started with Brexit, but then they kind of came into American politics, how they worked with Ted Cruz and then the Trump campaign latched onto them. And it was just really interesting understanding exactly how they got to where they got And then basically how they got caught doing what they were doing and the the downfall of not only Cambridge Analytica, but Facebook itself through this whole process. It is fascinating and creepy at the same time.
0: Very interesting. I'll have to check that out. Uh, I'm going to recommend an iOS app. should probably know this, but it may be available on the Android as well. I'm not entirely sure. And maybe I'm late to the party. I have no idea. But it's really cool. It's called Movies Anywhere. Have you seen this? No. It's called Movies Anywhere. And it's an iOS app, like I mentioned. You download it. When you log into it, you set up an account. You're able to connect all of your services into one app. And so what it does is it then sucks all your movies into this one app. So if you bought something on iTunes or if you bought something on Amazon, it doesn't matter you can have everything in one app. It's very it's very Apple TV looking, the app itself is. You can also look and find and rent through the app. You can also, you know how when you buy a DVD, they may have like a digital download code or whatever. You can plug that in in this app and add that movie to your catalog and in the whole deal. It's really interesting, you know, where you can look around and rent and buy and all that kind of stuff, but you can also just connect all of these services into one app. And then have it on your phone or your iPad. iPads are great, obviously, for this type of a thing. But, yeah, it's
2: called Movies Anywhere. So this is only for uh, for movies that you've actually purchased. Is that right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can, you can do stuff through the app. And quite honestly, I've just kind of added
2: this. I haven't spent a ton of time with it. I'll have to check that out. That sounds really interesting. And you're right. Put it on your iPad.
0: Yeah, so you can pull in stuff from Xfinity or Google Play or Prime Video iTunes. It, it doesn't really matter. It'll kind of sync up all the stuff that you've purchased into the one device. So or into the one app. So yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, another great week. Uh, episode 136 in the books. Special thanks to our sponsors, special thanks to our listeners. Rate review, subscribe over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to be listening. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, what you'd like to hear more of. Reach out to us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or your communication platform of choice. For Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith, and we'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.